Roto Grinders presents your first word in daily fantasy sports. The Morning Grind, Stevie TPFL and Company are here to jumpstart your analysis on today's DFS slate. Without further ado, here's your host, Stephen Young. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rotor Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Monday, it is September 30th, it's 2019, and uh, we really don't have anything going on. Like, no baseball. Hockey starts on Wednesday, maybe we'll do a hockey podcast on Wednesday. Um, NFL, we're going to talk about the, the Monday night football game, the showdown slate on a couple sites, and just kind of go over that. We're going to do a week four kind of a recap, just if there's anything that we learned in watching the games today. We're going to review our cash lineups over there on Fantasy Draft. Maybe we'll review my my cash lineup on DraftKings and your cash lineup on Fantasy Draft, Grant, so we can kind of talk about two different sites. And then um, we're going to review the, the person that won the Hooters. We're going to review that team. We had some Twitter questions, and um, just going to kind of have some fun. But I am joined by Jeannie for 07 Grant baseball season regular baseball season's over um it, it's kind of time to chill enjoy and um get ready for basketball yeah yeah i know i'm super excited for this i guess it's not a three-week break it's a three-week lessened work schedule um but yeah and baseball ended well had a good weekend of football i'm i'm happy as a clam right now well all i, all I want to say about baseball really quick is friday's podcast you were talking about daniel polka and um you definitely finished the season on, on a positive note uh with two home runs so yeah that i called two home runs <laughs> you did you did so, i'm not gonna lie i was talking mostly on my butt there i thought it was a decent chance at one but i don't know how serious i was about to yeah so anyway Ready to um, get started here. If you guys haven't checked out our sponsor, make sure you head on over there, check them out. It's Rake Free Daily Fantasy at fantasydraft.com. Sign up through the Rotor Grinders links when you make your first deposit over there. You get three months of Rotor Grinders premium for Fantasy Draft once you start making your deposit and start playing over there. So if you haven't checked them out, make sure you check them out. Um, awesome sponsors of the podcast. And like I said, Rake Free DFS. So we're going to definitely go over some stuff over there on Fantasy Draft, but let's just kind of um, recap week four. Um, obviously, for me, I, I had a bad week. I'll, I, I have no problem admitting it. I was very underweight on Gallman, and I feel like we could start there, Grant. Like I feel like I just kind of overthought Gallman. Every projection model had him really projected high, and I was just like, you know – I'm going to take the under here, and I thought he was a good play. I just didn't like the ownership, and, it, you know, obviously it worked out in Gallman owner's favor, but I didn't fully fade him, but I might as well have how, how much ownership I had to him. So I feel like I got cute with that one. I mean, I honestly thought it was the right play. Um, I On most sites, outside of one, I full-on faded him. I had zero ownership in him outside of – over on one site and I just thought it was the better GBP play to entirely fade him. I didn't even use him for cash and that's because pretty much my entire cash was over on uh, fantasy draft and Fournette was the same price which ended up working out just fine so I used Fournette instead of him 
Um, but I mean, honestly, like, I don't think he's that good of a back. It was literally touchdown equity that did it in. Yes, it was a good matchup. Like everything kind of said, yes, he was a good play. But when you incorporate ownership in, I still think it was the right play to fade him um, just because there were so many other good running backs out there in a similar price range. I mean, Fournette was about 1500 cheap, more expensive. You had on Johnson, who still put up a very good game there. Uh, you had just so many guys that had the potential to put up big games. Carson had a good game. Freeman was close to the same price tag and had a good game. It's just, it didn't work out great. Um, Gallman happened to get multiple touchdowns and Case Keenum couldn't do anything to keep the game close so they could run it towards the end of it. I still think it was the right play to fade him in tournaments, but um, you know, that's, that's just kind of the way I play. Yeah. And again, I just feel like I got cute more than anything. Like he ended up not being like extremely popular. Um, So he's one of the guys that I wanted back. Um, I should have played him in cash, but you know, I should have just taken the free square and upgraded elsewhere, but it is what it is. You live and you learn. Um, Was there anything that you saw here in week four that kind of like really stood out to you? Um, There's a couple of things that like I'll bring up um, as well, but I just wanted to see if there's anything like that you saw um, when you were watching the games that, you know, popped, popped in your brain. Honestly, nothing really surprised me that much. Most of the things that we saw are things that we knew multiple weeks ago. And then we thought that we were wrong. Like the Browns. They are a good team. We just thought they were trash because of what's happened recently. Uh, The Buccaneers, they're a very good offense that when clicking on all cylinders can absolutely destroy. Same thing with the Rams. We knew that coming into the season. We forgot about it. They crushed and were 1% owned. Um, Outside of that, there's really like everything kind of played out exactly how I thought it would outside of the Raiders, our team that I'm starting to realize – can actually have a decent game versus pretty much anyone. Um, Just they're not going to be consistent. Like if a team schemes right against them, then they can get shut down. If they don't, then they can absolutely go off and crush on offense. Their defense is about average, and we all figure that. But their offense can actually do some stuff because, I mean, a lot of it's just because Gruden's actually a good coach, which – None of us really thought last year. I think he might actually be a good coach, at least for offensive scheming. Yeah, um, the Raiders definitely, I think, shocked a lot of people. I think a lot of people were on the Colts in that game, um, just in general. And, like, the Raiders played really, really well. I I think T.Y. Hilton being out um, certainly hurt that team. There was some drop passes there. But, you know, for the most part, when when we looked at that, you know, Raiders-Colts game, it wasn't really that shocking. Like we had talked about on the um, morning grind for football last week, potentially using a guy like Josh Jacobs to be different. Um, and like he had a decent game. You know, you, you, bring up, you brought up Cleveland. Um, I thought it was very interesting that Baker Mayfield threw for 342 yards and um, Odell Beckham only had two catches in, in that span. Like I thought that was super interesting. But Nick Chubb was the star there. Jarvis Landry had a monster game. He's in concussion protocol. We got to watch that one. Um, but the the shocking thing there too was Ricky Steele's Jones. Like, where did that come from? Um, we know that he he liked throwing in Najoku last year, but 
might be somebody that we kind of look at. And Kyler Murray, Murray played a terrible game. Um, that game was just awful, just all around. Um, I swapped off David Johnson for Marlon Mack in cash, like five minutes before lock. And like, so that was tilting to me. Johnson had eight catches for 99 yards in that game. I think that was super, um, super solid for him. Stefan Diggs returned finally. Like Kirk Cousins was chucking the ball a little bit and Diggs had a decent game. But um, I think another thing that we need to bring up is Leonard Fournette, 29 carries for 225 yards. The Minshew error ha- has era has started in Jacksonville. Like he's impressive, Grant. I'm I'm a I'm a fan of um, Uncle Rico here. Yeah, yeah, no, and I mean Fournette, he's always a guy that can break off long runs. I mean, we saw what three times in the first ten games where he broke off a sixty yard run. Um, it's surprising it came against a Broncos defense. Fournette, I don't know how good he actually is. Um, He's a guy that's clearly fairly inconsistent, and that's what happens when you have a guy like Fournette that can break off massive runs. I mean, we saw it with Doug Martin back in the day with Tampa Bay, a guy that has the potential, like strength and speed, to just go off for massive gains. And it makes Fournette pretty interesting going forward, especially in GBPs, because he's getting the volume. They've always been willing to give him the volume. And he's involved in the pass game. He has a large amount of the offense in his hands so yeah that that was that was one of the few things that was surprising I wasn't surprised how much work he got I was surprised at what he actually did with it and so yeah I'm I'm impressed by Minshew I don't know if he's that great of a fantasy quarterback at all going forward um but like as a real life quarterback yeah Uncle Rico's incredibly impressive like he completes passes at a very high rate like, he doesn't turn the ball over too much. He's not got a whole lot of guys to throw to there that great, but he's still run this offense pretty impressively. So a couple bads for me, just in, in general for tournaments. Um, played a lot of J- Josh Allen this week. Um, that was rough. Played a lot of Case Keenum. Um, that was that rough. Was real rough. Like, because, like, Here's the thing. I understand Keenum missed the, the deep ball on that pass to Trey Quinn. Like, Trey Quinn was wide open. I get it. But, like, Haskins came in in that game, and he looked awful. Um, so, like, uh, I had a ton of Paul Richardson and Trey Quinn um, in tournaments just throughout teams. I had, like, I think around 25% of um, Richardson and around 20% of Trey Quinn. So, like, I had a ton of those guys. And just watching Haskins throw is just like, ugh. But um, really quick, one more game that I wanted to bring up. Um, you kind of already talked about it, but uh, Tampa and Jared Goff at home. Like, Jared Goff at home is a thing, I think. Like, moving forward, we, we continue to see this. But 95 total points in that game. If you didn't have exposure to that game, you know, you were going to be in trouble, but um, we had a couple of Twitter questions already, and we'll, we'll take them when we get to the Twitter questions about Tampa and why you would have been on Tampa in that game, but Jared Goff, Grant, 517 passing yards in that game. What a game. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of something we've seen from him before. Like, he's not always a guy that I trust um, to roster, but he's a guy that has potential for massive games. We've seen it over and over again, one week he'll be fantastic and one week he'll be terrible. But anyone in this McVay offense, I'm fairly convinced, can put up massive numbers. 
and Goff, like, it's going to be the same thing going forward. Like, when he's highly owned, you fade him. When he's low owned, you play him every single time because he has potential for 40 fantasy points pretty much any time he goes out. And, like, if they're going to throw a bunch, then he should crush it. And we should have kind of known this going in that he was in for a big game considering that the Tampa Bay defense is really good versus the run and Arians basically straight up said, which I thought he might've been lying, that they were going to try and shut down the run and they didn't, they didn't shut down the, or they didn't lie at all. They shut down the run. They crushed it. And yeah, just going forward, you're right. Home road splits are a thing for him. And we just need to keep that in mind going forward. Yeah. And, um, you, you can't be biased with the Tampa wide receivers, I think is important too. Like Evans had a monster game last week. I think, you know, Godwin was banged up all week and like he ended up being active and playing and like, don't think a lot of people expect him to play a lot. And, um, you know, he played a lot. Um, Detroit feeding um, carry on Johnson was really good um, for people that had exposure to him, you know, wasn't able to get in the end zone, but had a really good game. Um, so um, let's review some cash lineups here. Um, do you want to go first on fantasy draft and I'll pull up my DraftKings team and we'll, we can kind of just, you could talk through your process and I can comment and then vice versa. Um, you can go ahead with your fantasy draft cash team here. Yeah. So there were three guys that were a stone cold lock for me in the lineup. It was Eckler. We all know his usage. We all know what he's been doing recently. And I didn't think too much of Melvin Gordon. So Eckler, like, knowing the matchup, knowing that they're probably going to be playing from ahead, knowing that he's going to get a massive workload, that he's heavily involved in the end zone, heavily involved in the passing game. Eckler was a stone-cold lock. The next guy was Keenan Allen. Didn't work out too well. I paid up for him. He was even more expensive on fantasy draft. Only ended up with 9.8 points, and I can't remember what his target share was during that game. Um, but he was a guy that I still think that was the right decision. I thought he was going to be more heavily involved. Um, we've seen this before with him. He'll have 12 targets one week and then randomly have a six target outing. And so I still stand by that choice. The next guy was Will Disley in cash. I've been high on Disley all year. The price was right. The matchup was perfect because Cardinals are just horrible versus tight ends, which we should keep in mind. Uh, then outside of that, I kind of just rounded out my lineup. Fournette was drastically underpriced over on fantasy draft. Like I said, I went with him over Gallman because he was 100 more expensive. To me, they were like similar matchups-ish. Uh, Fournette was getting just as much of a workload, and he's the better back. So knowing all those things, I went with Fournette over Gallman. They ended up scoring the same points, so it would have been fine either way. Um, but that worked out well. After the McLaren uh, news, I went with Paul Richardson. Didn't work out great, 4.4 points. But again, it was against a bad Giants defense. I thought that he would do better. He didn't. Um, still stand by that choice. Marlon Mack was the surprise. He only scored 3.9 points, but I liked his price. I thought his workload was secure. I liked the matchup with him. And then after I got all those guys in, that's when I went for my quarterback and defense because there was three options to quarterback. There was Daniel Jones, there was Mahomes, and there was Russell Wilson, all at different tiers. So I threw in Daniel Jones, and I went with the Cleveland Browns defense, which I was the only one. Um, but to me – it was the right play. I wasn't that high on Baltimore's offense. Um, their defense is underrated, and they were near min price over on fantasy draft. So that's kind of how I put it all together. I 
doing it all over again, not knowing the outcomes, I still probably would have done the same thing. The only difference, maybe I would have gone down to Gallman instead of Mac. Um, but I just had some extra money. I didn't want to go up to a different defense. But everything else, I entirely stand by. And I ended up sweeping all the double ups. So worked out well. Yeah. Um, solid process. Like there were three guys for me like that were going to be in my cash lineup that I started with. And Eckler was one of them. Disley was one of them. And then my other guy was Christian McCaffrey. Like he was just going to, he was a stone cold lock for me in cash this week. We talked about it on the morning grind um, for football this week. So like we had the same thought process when it came to Eckler and, and Disley for sure. We both ended up with Mac. Like, I got crushed this week in, at wide receiver. Like, I, I just missed on my wide receivers. I missed on Mac as well, but I, I think I would have still played Mac in that situation regardless. But So, on DraftKings, um, I ended up playing Russell Wilson, Eckler, McCaffrey, Larry Fitz, and then I played Trey Quinn instead of Richardson just because Trey Quinn was min salary, and I was like, he's going to have five, six, seven easy catches. Uh, that obviously didn't work out because he had two catches – Sterling Shepard, again, like I really like the Washington and the Giants game, and Shepard is just a guy that I, I know I can trust for targets right now. Uh, then I said Disley, Mack, and I went Denver defense, um, you know, just because Roth had said that there was going to be a lot of wind in that game, and Denver's defense was cheap. Jacksonville wasn't a team that I really loved, so ended up playing um, Denver's defense quite a bit, so – Honestly, looking at back at this team, like pre-lock, um, I, I still like one of my one of my swaps was Marlon Mack um, and Fitz. I think it was um, for DJ, and I can't remember who the wide receiver was, but like that obviously would have made a huge change because I missed like double ups by like ten to twelve points at most buy-in levels. So, um, really, really not mad at the process Russell Wilson didn't have a great game but like Arizona just couldn't get anything going on offense so like Russell Wilson didn't need to have a big game and that was very frustrating but um, yeah like tight ends against Arizona and Christian McCaffrey seems very very safe right now with Allen at quarterback because he'll throw the ball they'll hand him the ball off the dude had 10 catches again and when you're playing on full point PPR sites um you know, Christian McCaffrey is just a stud right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's a guy that, like, his floor-ceiling combo is just great because he's going to get minimum six catches. And what he does with those are kind of irrelevant. Touchdown equity is kind of irrelevant when trying to gauge things. Those are volatile. So rolling with him, you're going to get the, that floor plus all the added bonuses for anything he does over that. He almost got bonus both ways. Like, that would have been yeah. fantastic. Like, David Johnson almost got the receiving bonus. He had 99 receiving yards. Like, it was um, it was just one of those days where you had guys that were really close to getting the bonuses. But, like, Christian McCaffrey had 27 carries and 10 catches. Like, you want to talk about volume right now. In cash games, we like volume. Um, like, he, he has a lot of volume going on right now. Yeah. Um, we said we were going to review the lineup over there on Fantasy Draft that took down the $700,000 Hooters rake-free $100,000 in first place. Um, congratulations to Shit My Money, one of the industry guys. Um, you know, good for Adam. Glad to see him take down this tournament. But um, 
just listening to your thoughts here and knowing that like doing the podcast with you earlier this week um, or last week, I know that you liked a lot of this team. Um, you know, you, both, you know, we'll start at quarterback Lamar Jackson, 9% owned Lamar Jackson always gives you a ton of upside when it comes to running the ball and stuff. And like, I thought his correlation with Lamar Jackson was really interesting. He went Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, and then Nick Chubb on the other side of the game. Um, I find that one a little interesting, but like, you know, when you're, when you're building that type of stack, you're hoping Cleveland's up, you're getting the rushes on one side and you're getting the throwing on the other side. So I completely understand the correlation, but um, it's always interesting when you see a quarterback, tight end, running back type stack take down a tournament. I mean, it's less surprising with Lamar Jackson. Uh, the guy rushes a ton. So, I mean, we've always talked about just going with Lamar Jackson naked in tournaments because we don't know exactly how much he's going to do in the passing game, and he could end up with 120 rushing yards and a touchdown and just do mediocre in the passing game, in which case you wouldn't really need any of his targets. We know that Andrews has been one of his main targets for uh, the red zone, and he's like likely to get TDs, so... Lamar Jackson, it, I think he was kind of assuming this would be a rushing game for him. And he wouldn't do that much in the passing game. And most of this work in the passing game, the touchdowns would go to Andrews. So I understand that. Nick Chubb, he was underpriced over on Fantasy Draft. He was kind of underpriced in most sites. And he's a guy, like, we've seen so many 80-yard runs, like, incredibly efficient games. I think he had one last year where he had 100 rushing yards on three carries. Um, so he's a guy that really hasn't, done that much this year so going with him at lower ownership when his price is way lower than it should be is a great buy low spot Eckler we already talked about he just ate the shock there I liked it Galladay was someone I was really high on um played a ton of him yeah me too and I had just a ridiculous amount of him that kind of went off of him when the whole Stafford barely able to walk narrative came out flashback to McCoy last week and thanks. Um, like I went off him a little bit, but he was one of my top plays on the slate prior to this. He like was going up against the chiefs going to be a high scoring game. Galladay is the clear number one. And he ended up paying off almost at a third touchdown Cooper cup. Like I played a lot of Rams wide receivers. I didn't have a favorite of any of them, which it turned out to be a woods and cup week instead of cooks. Great call. Um, on that, like he's been hot recently, so I understand going with him over the other guys as a one-off. Burnett, we always already went through, and then Godwin's the interesting one. Like obviously, you said that we didn't know how much he was going to play. I mostly just tuned that out, like I should have with Stafford. Um, but this is exactly why you have to learn to forget last week. Um, Mike Evans, massive week last week. Godwin's all everyone was talking about all season long, and then he comes in at one percent ownership because everyone went to Mike Evans and assumed that he was the number one guy in that offense. It's not exactly how things work. Uh, so Godwin was a fantastic play. I had 10 times the field on him, I think. And I thought I was going to be right with the field. So overall, great lineup. And then Panthers versus Texans was one of my top defenses. Super cheap on fantasy draft. Going up against the Texans, and since the beginning of last year, Deshaun Watson's been sacked more than any other quarterback in the league. Anytime you get that scenario with a defense, like you just take it if they're going to be low-owned and they're extremely cheap. 
yeah, cheap sex is what I call it. Like, um, I ended up playing Carolina defense quite a bit as well. They were 40, 4,300 compared to, like, I think Chicago was, like, 65 or 6,300. So, like, Carolina was really, really cheap. And you knew that you were going to probably end up with three to five sacks. Um, and when that happens, like, anything else can happen from there. And they're so cheap that, like, as long as no defense really goes off. And I think a couple defenses went off, but, you know, nothing, like, too crazy here. Um, you know, great play on Fournette and Chubb, 11-5 and 10-9 over there. You already talked about Godwin. I love Cooper Cup. Um, I, I said that on our show this week. Like, he was my favorite out of the bunch. Um, I had a ton of Cup and I had a ton of Galladay. I had a ton of Eckler and a ton of Chubb. But I missed on so many wide receivers this week that it just wasn't a great week for me. But I like this team. Not too heavily correlated, but correlated enough. Um, and, you know, I always like to re reverse engineer teams that win tournaments and – like, I, I get this tournament team. I, I do. Like, you know, there was correlation here in certain areas, and then there was just guys that he was probably high on, um, you know, and playing the price game on Chubb and Fournette, and it just all kinds of – it just all comes together at that point. Yeah. And it just shows that you don't really – it's not a requirement to stack. Um, on any given week, like, you can – quarterbacks are largely volatile. I mean – you look at this lineup and his entire, like, quarterback tight end stack, largely irrelevant. If you go with, let's see, if you literally just went with Goff and Disley instead, just two random guys, one of which was Chalk, or even just Disley and Brissett, Disley and Rivers, Disley and Mariota, he still takes down the GPP with zero correlation across the board. Uh, so congratulations again to um, ship my money. Good team. Um, we'll probably review a couple more of these um, over the next couple weeks and just kind of see how they translate. And, you know, he had pieces of that Tampa. Like he had the two pieces you wanted from that game, but like, you know, he didn't have a game stack of that game and he still was able to take down a tournament and that game had a 95 points scored. So um, we had some Twitter questions come in. Uh, we'll start with this one. Can you guys speak to finding contests with Overlay? Do you see them more on Yahoo and Fantasy Draft, or do you still find some on DraftKings and FanDuel? Um, I hardly ever see contests Overlay on DraftKings and FanDuel nowadays. Um, you know, it happens. I'm not saying it doesn't. But I think that – you don't even necessarily need overlay on fantasy draft with the membership and, you know, rake free. But like, I don't think we've not had overlay all week, all year, right. In the big tournaments anyway. Uh, yeah. Every single week, their big tournament has overlaid anywhere from 15 to 30%. Yeah. And like it, it's straight loss for them. Like they don't have rake. So when they're overlaying, they're getting crushed. So, um, not only are you getting great with rake free and I'm not just saying this cause they're our sponsor. Um, if I don't like something, I'll say it. Um, I have no issues with that, but again, like you're just, you're saving so much money. Like I'm, I'm going to save over a thousand dollars in rake this week, this, this, this month alone, just because of a $50 membership. And you know, it's not for everybody. Not everybody's going to play eight to $10,000 in a week or a month to save a thousand bucks. But if you're playing a hundred dollars a week, you're still going to save enough money 
that rate, this rake-free system works. And Yahoo, I think they've overlaid it almost every week as well. Um, so a lot of overlay in a lot of different spots. And a lot of those spots are the smaller sites that are still building user databases. So I think that if you're looking for overlay, if that's something you're into, you have to look at those smaller sites. Yeah, and it's something that I've done essentially since the very first time I played DFS. Um, I've always looked for overlay, and I've played predominantly on smaller – I have more play on smaller sites than I do on DK or FanDuel. I mean, over my time playing, I think I have five sites that I've played on more than DK or FanDuel, maybe four, and it's just because I can find overlay. Like, if there's overlay, all you need to do is be a statistically average player and you win money. That's just how things go. When the average payout's larger than the average buy-in, if you're entirely average, you win money. And that's essentially how I got started into it, was just trying to be entirely average. And eventually I became good. And so those overlays, it wasn't just winning on overlay, it was just winning overall. But yeah, looking at smaller sites is absolutely the way to do it. And Fantasy Draft is the best one out there for it. And just take advantage of the, the membership. Like, go read about it. Like, you don't need overlay when you're not paying rake. You know, you're playing straight up and you're still getting overlay. So, hopefully that answers your question. Um, this next question is interesting because we, we kind of talked about it a lot with Godwin and Evans. But it says, how does someone not fall victim to recency and high insight bias when making lineups. Um, it's hard. Like it, it's not easy when you're clicking names and you're you're putting teams together. Like recency bias is in your head, and you just. I feel like you become a better player once you learn how to get past recency bias and just play the numbers. Yeah, I think there's two strategies. Um, one is to get blackout drunk every Sunday, so you don't remember anything. <laughs> the second one is just remember. Um, your thoughts at the beginning of the season and a few weeks ago. If there's something that's changed, think about why. Your thoughts on Godwin at the beginning of the season are that he's the probably the better option. Your thoughts two weeks ago on Godwin were he's the better option. So what's changed? Just one random outing, which wide receivers that can change at any given time. It's kind of why I wasn't as high on cup as I would or I was just tying cup as everyone else I wasn't high on him after a good outing last week because I know that it's just every single week it could be any one of them so that's another scenario where it ended up not working in my favor but yeah just know like if there's a reason for it if there's a change look for a reason in it if there's no logical reason behind it like a new quarterback a new system a matchup anything like that then you know that your bias is in large part probably wrong at least with gpps yep um i don't really have anything else to add i like it um so this one is kind of going back to the bucks what would have put anyone on the bucks yesterday is it mainly players who max enter contest um i always so like the the short answer is i always like the bucks for tournaments just about any slate because the, the good thing about the, the Tampa Bay Bucks and the bad thing is like Jameis Winston has these terrible games, but the good thing about the Bucks in general 
is they have so many weapons that like the big play abilities are there because they can beat defenses. But, you know, the Rams defense for the most part has been really good against the pass this season. And I think that really scared people off, but I think the flip side of that grant is like we're three weeks into the season and we still really don't know what, what to expect from most defenses. So I, I think when you're looking at like this Tampa team as a whole, we have two wide receivers with target shares over 20% that have played over 95% of the snaps. Like I, 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 I did not play as much Tampa as most, but I was really heavy on the Rams and like I ran it back and I just didn't run it back enough. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be part of this crowd that says defense doesn't matter, but offense kind of more, more determines things than defense does in any given matchup. So you have a team in the Buccaneers that if, did they end up setting the record for most passing yards in a season last year? I can't remember. I, think it's, I can't remember either. Yeah. Either they did or they were close. Like, why wouldn't you be on that offense every single week? The people went with the first two weeks said Winston was horrible. One of which was a Thursday night football game in a tough matchup versus I think Tennessee. No, that was Jacksonville uh, versus Carolina. And so giving into that too much, just saying someone said, there's no reason that they would take that big of a drop off year over year. Brandon Munkin's gone, but Arians is a very intelligent coach and a very gifted offensive coach so there's no reason to think that anything would change so giving up on that entirely after a few weeks this is not a sport where we have giant sample sizes we have 17 games plus the or 16 games plus the set playoffs that's the entire sample size anything can happen to that so overrating defensive matchups is not a good idea and forgetting about teams that were just fantastic not too long ago because one or two bad outings is a horrible idea. Yep. Um, couldn't have said it better myself. So, um, I think we had a couple more questions. Let's see. How does Tampa score 55 on the Rams? It, we just kind of talked on that. Um, does a single entry guy like myself have any chance in a tourney like the 700K Hooters tournament? Yeah. I've the answer, tournaments. Yeah, the answer is yes. But know that you are at a disadvantage when you're playing against 150 teams. Yeah. I mean, if if you're a single-entry guy trying to take a tournament down like that, most single-entry guys play a chalkier lineup or a safer lineup. And predominantly, the lineups that end up winning these things take big shots like apparently Goblin was. So, yes, you have, a, you have better odds in single-entry tournaments. But Fantasy Draft, for instance, I think you're better off playing their tournament for $25 than giant single entry tournament that has a 12% rake. That's going to more than end up taking away your advantage. So yes, you absolutely can just know that playing it safe is likely not going to help you win a tournament. So you have to go off the board. If you're a single entry guy in a big tournament like this, where people are throwing 150 entries in and playing a lot of off the board combos. All right. Uh, yeah, like honestly, like if you're playing a, a single in, a single bullet into a tournament like that, like you're not playing hardly any of the chalk options in my opinion. Like you're going pretty contrarian. I don't mind maybe like an Eckler or like somebody like that that you know you're probably going to get. But like I would – there would have been zero chance if I was throwing one bullet I would have played um, Gallman. So 
Um, all right, last question, and then we're going to talk Sunday night fo- or Monday night football, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, Kansas City versus Indy next Sunday night. Is Mahomes a lock on fantasy draft after what Oakland and Carr just did to them? And he's not a lock, but he's a darn good play. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. He's a really good play, like he is every single week. Don't pay attention too much to a Lions team that has been fantastic versus the past this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes always, he's always one of the top options. Like every slate, like no doubt about it, always a top option. Um, all right, Grant, let's talk showdown slate. We'll use uh DraftKings here. Um, you know, what, what's, first of all, what's just kind of standing out to you here is a, like a potential captain play um, for this slate. I mean, I got to assume that Connor's probably not going to be that heavily owned after, what he's done this season and being the top price guy, right? Yeah, I think it. I think he's interesting for sure. Uh, we we've seen how bad the Cincinnati defense has been against the run. He's interesting. I think. Um, I don't think he'll have a ton of ownership, but I don't think people are going to just completely overlook how bad this defense has been either. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. But I I, I really like the running backs in this game. Um, Mixon, Connor, like. Connor is going to turn things around, and you're right. This defense is bad. Mixon is going to turn things around. He's not a two yards a carry average type of guy. He's a not quite elite running back, but a top-tier running back. And he's going up against Pittsburgh. It's not the easiest matchup in the world, but it's not the toughest by any means. And he's going to get things together at some point. So I'm a big fan of both the running backs. Off the board, I mean, I guess Eifert is probably a guy that you could potentially go with. If you're not going to play Mixon, I don't hate going with Geo. Potentially, he could snake a touchdown. He could be a little bit more involved. Uh, but the captain spot, I'm probably rolling with the running back. Yeah, whether it be Mixon or Connor, I'm with you. I like those guys as my my captain, especially on like a side like Fanduel. Um, you know, Juju's always in play. Um, I do like to correlate my wide receivers in, in showdown. So like if I'm playing Juju, I'm playing Rudolph. Um, the, the thing is like, you know, you talked about Eifert and um, you know, he's cheap for the most part. Is there anybody that's like in this cheaper range that is kind of standing out to you? Do we take a shot on Vanette um, who got traded earlier this week? Or do we look elsewhere? Do we, do we play kickers for value here? Like, I was I was looking at this earlier today, and I was struggling with my cheap options. Yeah, I honestly, it's probably kickers for value um, or the defenses. Like Vanette, I kind of understand, but I don't know how involved in the offense he is going to be. Like, we've seen them kind of rely on tight ends, but I have to assume that he's not going to know the playbook well enough to really be in there for much more than blocking. Um, and a few routes will probably be in for – 25% of the team's plays, but I mean, who else are they going to run out at tight end? Like, Gentry, I think, is their other tight end. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to roll with him, he's 600 bucks. Um, he's more of a blocking tight end, though. Yeah, but I mean, how many how many pass plays is Vanette going to be in on? Like, Gentry yeah, knows I, the playbook better. I'd rather, like, take a shot on, like, an Auden Tate or something, I think. 
instead of taking a shot on the tight ends here. Like, just hoping that Pittsburgh gets up in this game and since he's going to have to throw and, like, take a shot on Tate. Like, I don't love it, but, like, he's he's – He's kind of the cheap guy that's standing out to me just overall here um, that like I don't feel great about because they do have Ross and they have Boyd um, and they even have um, was it Ekinson Eckerson so like I don't feel great about it but like we're we're looking at a dude that played eighty nine percent of the snaps last week yeah so I don't want to trust one week but I need value somewhere um, I like the Eifert call. You know, they, they drafted a blocking tight end. So, like, Eifert's always kind of interesting here. Um, you know, did not play a lot last week in that game against Buffalo, but uh, tougher matchup there. And, you know, I always – I don't mind, like, CJ as well. It's just – it's all about getting the right cheaper guy. Um, but I think the guys at the top are pretty pretty standard this week. Like, there's nothing like – standing out massively i think um deontay johnson's a little interesting as a tournament play for pittsburgh but um nothing like crazy that i'm gonna go crazy with on this slate yeah yeah kind of right there with you so i usually play like 50 teams and on each site on the showdown slates and I, I i like to mix it up but um deontay johnson and tate are probably going to be the guys that i play more than the field but I uh, love the running backs like you. And um, that's our week for recap. Um, yeah. So we'll probably talk some hockey on Tuesday or Wednesday. And, um, you know, start start cracking down for week five coming up. And, and, you know, the days that we have MLB playoff slates, we'll talk about those games as well. So, Grant, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No. Just – Gosh, I love football. <laughs> Take advantage of rake-free DFS at Fantasy Draft. You know, I'm not just saying it because they're the sponsor of the podcast, but I've saved $1,060 this month with rake-free DFS and paid a $50 membership fee. So check them out. That's going to wrap it up here for Monday. Um, we'll be back tomorrow talking something. So I hope everyone enjoyed their weekend, and uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. Good luck, and we'll see you then. Thank you, kids.